dead. Uh, it's over. We don't have to think about the 2014-15 season anymore, apart from for the next hour or so. That's right, yeah. Uh, and a glorious season it was not. But uh, just about good enough. Fourth in the end, well, we knew it would be fourth, didn't we? Uh, we would have had to beat whole six or seven nil, and Arsenal would have had to lose, uh, and neither of those things happened. Or even nearly happened. Or even nearly happened, yes. Uh, we We did get... Uh, as you uh, as you alluded to in your intro, there uh, a wonderful moment uh, in the past week or so. Though ah, oh, we did it. It was so much fun that speech. First of all, when he started talking to David de Gea, and it's like, oh yep, he is honouring our traditions by being a drunk manager at the end of season awards. That's good. It's kind of holding on to de Gea's arm, looking him in the eyes, going, "I am very proud of you," like a as Man United 24 said on Twitter, like a, a proud dad telling his son the words he's longed to hear his whole life. Yeah, for about two minutes, it was it was one of those, I sort of want to watch and, and I had, you know, I'm watching it between my fingers <laughs> uh, because it was just a touch cringeworthy, uh, but but um, got much better from there and got extremely entertaining in the end. So yes, he, he was like a drunk uncle at a party. Yeah, laughing along with him and then just kind of worried that he's going to feel someone up. Um, Matter said afterwards when he was interviewed, we've had a lot of meetings with him throughout the season, so we know how he can behave. <laughs> it's just like, perfect. I'm sure that was a second language thing, but it sort of sounded like perfectly kind of tolerant, but slightly uh, dismissive. Yeah, is that article you sent me from uh, UWS or Red News? Was it? Red News. No, it was UWS. UWS, it? yes. Describe with one player having texted a friend describing Van Hal as a fucking nutter. <laughs> yeah, I uh, believe lunatic was the word he used. Are you sure you want to come and play for this lunatic? Very good. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, the uh, th- that he's our lunatic, isn't he? It's, there's something, the last time we watched an angry drunk on that stage, it was Fergie being annoyed about the 2011-12 season and saying, if anything, I'm a winner. We, we were robbed. Of uh, of Moyes doing it last we year, were, weren't we? Of course, teetotal David Moyes and also dull. Not that those two things don't go together, as I'm living proof of, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, but seriously, folks. You were much more entertaining when you were drunk. <laughs> um, the content of the speech was kind of interesting. There, there, was some, there were some people being quite snide about it, the kind of whole, we go for second, yes, as if that's a good thing, but... If you actually look at the context, first of all, he's clearly preaching to the choir. Second of all, at the time that that conversation was taking place, uh, you know, United were a long way off uh, looking anything like they would be even like getting fourth looked really uncertain at that time. So it was quite, you know, and, and first was obviously gone. So it was just reality. But the bit that was the best bit of the whole speech was when he comes back out going, you're the best fans in the world, but I'm a bit disappointed in you. Ryan Giggs told me to tell you. It was like, what? What did Ryan Giggs tell tell you to tell us about ourselves? That we didn't thank the saxophonist. <laughs> this was... So you got a picture in your head at this point that Van Gaal's gone off the stage after the first part of his drunken speech. Ryan Giggs is lint over to him and gone, Louis, you forgot to thank the saxophonist. And he's gone back on stage and done it. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, we know Giggs like sax. <sighs> Maybe that's what it was. Um, 
Yeah, the the awards themselves were very predictable, right? Everything went to who we thought it would go to. Uh, couldn't go anywhere else, could it? Uh, yeah, the, the moment the, uh, the the comedy at manunited.com fans vote uh, comes up with, uh, and the winner is Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Did you see that? I, I sent you that tweet that the guy who's head of marketing at Manchester United voted for the Rooney yeah. goal as goal oh, of the season. Dear. You could not make it up. It's, it's like in his, 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 it must be in his contract, right? <laughs> you would have thought so. But it's a public vote, man. You know, I would, I'd, I don't know if we, we're going to come to third best goal of the season. That's one of our categories because I think first and second are locked up, right? Um, so I think third best goal of the season is an interesting conversation. So we'll come to that later. Uh, I've got a review of the whole game for you, Ed. Have you gone? <sighs> All right then. That's a pretty good review. Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was dreadful. United were dreadful. Mm. It, it's our end of season show, so we can kind of skip over the whole game if you like. But but yeah, it was bad. United were very poor. There was just nothing to it. So many players went missing, and uh, I suppose the only reason United didn't get tanked is Hull can't stay on side, and they're not as good as Everton. Yeah, Rooney was. <laughs> Like Rooney was the parody version of Wayne Rooney that we joke about on the Rankcast, bud. That's how bad Wayne Rooney was in that game. Yeah. Not the answer to the question of who we're going to have to, who who's going to lead the line at Manchester United to glory. Well, as I, as I said on Twitter, uh, he was a player who's disinterested, uh, didn't, you know, didn't look like he could be bothered, hasn't played well for weeks, uh, but enough about Wayne Rooney. Let's talk about Angel Di Maria. <laughs> It was also disinterested and hasn't played well for weeks. I'm not having that. I'm not having Di Maria disinterested in that game. I thought he was really, like, desperately trying to prove himself. I thought, it was my take on it. I thought he had a really bright... Until until he acted like a baby a couple of times and then asked, please, Dad, can I come off now? Any time that any pundit in any level of football criticises a player for being physically... Uh, Weak. Pathetic. Weak. They they unfit. should be they should be forced to suffer the same level of pain as that player and then say what they think. Cause uh what if he was in agony? What if he really hurt himself? I don't think so. Do you? I, I do. You're in a minority of one there, I reckon. Yeah, maybe he was in terrible agony. and uh... Why would he go off? He hasn't started a game for three months. Why would he like just go, oh, I can't be bothered with this? Because he can't be bothered with this. Oh, it might yeah. be. I mean, you know, that's an awfully hackneyed way of putting it, isn't it? But maybe he can't be. Maybe it's just not for him. Maybe he doesn't want to be at the club. He doesn't look like a player who wants to be at the club. I mean, you know, if you're unhappy in your job, um, your performance level drops and his has gone through the floor. A week ago, he put out quotes saying he's desperate to prove himself at the club. Why would he do that if he wasn't? Not quite sure it looked like it today. Anyway. Well, that's that's really weird. I, I have to say I'm 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 genuinely surprised by that. I I I, I thought it was it was really clear. I felt really sad for him because it looked like he was like finally back in the side, kind of desperate to show that he could mm. make a bit of a difference and stake a claim for next season and then got injured. One player you might not feel too sad for is uh, Maran Fellaini, who finally got the red card he's deserved for so long. <laughs> and the miracle was it was for a stamp stroke lunging tackle and not for an elbow. Yeah, I really thought that Maran Fellaini was going to do Abel Hernandez after Hernandez decked Phil Jones. I feel like that's what Fellaini's on the pitch for, right? He's supposed to do that. I feel like maybe he was given the wrong instructions, told to take out the wrong player or something like that. Yeah, I mean, 
mean, Abel Fernandez is definitely going to get the ban at some point. I mean, it's just yeah. so blatant. Mind you, I, you know, if we're going to talk about kind of weak players, Jones, come on, man up, man up. He, he went down with, a, you know, a punch to the kidneys. Come on. Seriously, like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. For saying that, you should have to receive a punch to the kidneys now and see if you stay standing. That's what should have to happen. Floyd Mayweather wouldn't go down for that, would he? No. This is a professional Probably. athlete you were talking about. <laughs> He was off balance. I, I looked at in it my again. Day, as... In my day, the ballers were harder. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really sneaky by Hernandez, though, wasn't he? Just literally, imagine like targeting your ire on Phil Jones as well. Like punching a puppy in the head. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He punched him in the stomach, not in the face. Maybe he's too scared of his face. I mean, you know. Possibly so. Two really good reaction saves by Valdez, but an awful lot of flappery as well. Oh, wow. I mean... That that's Valdez in in you know microcosm that is isn't it you know I I did uh, see you were having a debate on Twitter about Valdez's propensity to flap around at a cross and whether he'll actually learn to catch one or not he won't he's uh, thirty three now and's been flapping at crosses for the best part of a decade which is his major weakness I'm afraid so brilliant with his feet although not always actually today uh, looked a little unsure of himself good you know reaction saves and uh, reflexes and all of that he's been playing for a top club for a long time can't catch a, uh, a cross save his life right so uh, it's going to be fun times if he's number one of course Van Gaal said on Friday he believes the hair will stay uh, lots of papers printing that exact quote but I think you know we've talked a lot about how straight Van Gaal is this season but I think that is actually a bit of like linguistic difficult. I'm not sure he was making a definitive statement or I'm not sure he meant to make a definitive statement to say that he believes De Gea will stay. I think what he was saying really, if you read between the lines, was he hasn't totally written off the idea of De Gea staying. I, I think that quote will be vined by Liverpool fans and distributed on social media <laughs> uh, within the next month or so. <laughs> I mean, sadly for uh, Liverpool fans, the plethora of material to vine and send back to them <laughs> that exists because while we were falling apart in a slightly dull fashion Liverpool were falling apart with spectacular efficiency oh. have you have you seen Steven Gerrard's goal that Stoke just gave him because they felt bad for him I know sympathy vote or what <laughs> that is just Steven Gerrard right moment of glory uh, <laughs> ultimately you know failure um, and that, that's been his... Well, you know, he's he's not been completely unsuccessful at Liverpool, but uh, when it comes to the big one, the Premier League, he has. Yeah, he has indeed. Um, United fans made lots and lots and lots of noise, clearly having a very good time during that very bad football match. Um, at one point, they started seeing going down, going down, going down. I was thinking, as a team managed by Steve Bruce, three United Academy products in the side... <laughs> Like, Schadenfreude has no limits, no barriers on Schadenfreude, it would appear, within football. No, right, and I, I think most United fans would much rather Newcastle have gone down for a number of reasons, not only Bruce, but, yeah, there's just something about Newcastle and the Ashley regime and Newcastle fans and their uh, bizarre sense of entitlement and uh, Kevin Keegan and all of that, you know. I don't, I don't know what it is exactly, but uh, I'd have quite enjoyed them going down. As it is, they stayed up, Hull went down, and Hull gave a good fist of it, you know, we've... Um, talked about the bad. Uh, the good was Hull were pretty good for Hull, right? They're not a very good side, but um, I thought they at times uh, took the game to United. Obviously, United hogged possession as, as you'd expect, but got the ball in the net a couple of times. A little bit unlucky Hull-ish, sort of. 
Kind of, they were both like seriously offside, weren't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in a way, they also were fairly lucky that United didn't score one of their sort of decent-ish half chances. I thought Herrera had quite a good game. Very good first half. Okay, second half. There you go. That's that's that. I think that is really everything we need to say about that game, right? Yeah, it wasn't great. It, it felt like an end of season game. There have been a few like that over the years. Although, I mean, given that there was that kind of slight, tiny little hope that. United could have avoided a, an away trip to CSKA Moscow in mid-August with Moscow having you know, played 15 games in their season and United like one. Uh, you would have thought there might be a tiny little bit of urgency, but yeah, apparently not. One foot on the beach. You say there's been a few games like that over the years. There's been a few games over, like that over the past few weeks. Well, there has, yeah. So what is it? Three defeats, two draws and one win in the last six also, yeah, five five points out of the last eighteen yeah. potential points after the derby. Yeah, not good. I mean, and when you put it like that, an extra thirteen points, United would have been second comfortably. Yeah, absolutely, it was on. It really was on, and they blew it. and And the Carrick injury was part of that, but drop in intensity was also part of that. And you know, it's funny, Mourinho sort of hilarious. Mourinho blamed Liverpool. No, uh, City, Arsenal and Man United for not being good enough for Chelsea losing to West Brom, uh, which was very funny. It was a very good Mourinho line that I thought. But um, I kind of feel like we, we can sort of do the same thing and slightly blame Liverpool for being so rubbish. It gave United no sense of urgency whatsoever. But I think the players and the manager have to take some responsibility for United's end of the season being so lackluster because I just don't buy that this team is brilliant with Michael Carrick in it and terrible without Michael Carrick in it it just doesn't it's way too neat that is it is way too neat yeah and I think uh, gas has been stepped off significantly and and too much right and I I think um, it's too easy an excuse Uh, given given Van Hal's speech at the awards where he said and Wayne Rooney said go for second I said yes punching the air and all that um, didn't yeah. feel like they actually played like that, no? So, um, and that says something about the attitude. And, and if I was Van Hal, I'd think, well, I've just seen uh, players who've told me exactly how much they want to be at the club next season. I'm about to go into a transfer window when I said it's going to be a rough summer for some players, quote-unquote. Mm. Um, there's definitely going to be a rough summer for some players and maybe some big-name players that we don't expect because there have been some pretty poor performances over the last sort of two months or so. I was thinking about this. I asked, in fact, asked the question uh, the other day saying, OK, Raphael, Johnny Evans, um, Falcao, obviously. Uh, there was one more that I thought was really obvious that would be going, but I can't remember who it is. Not not the players on loan at the moment, but of the players that are in the squad at the moment. Lindegaard, I guess. Kind of feels like it barely counts, but yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really count because he was given a free transfer like months ago, and then he yeah. just stuck around. I was like, well, "Hang on a minute, he's still here." I don't really understand this, but um, he, he's got Falcao's gone. We know that. Uh, yeah, United release uh, the most obvious statement. The BBC ran it with breaking news, none of which was actually true, right? <laughs> so um, Lindegaard definitely off. Rafael de Silva definitely off. Hernandez will be sold. I presume, when they've got a decent beard. Nani will be sold if anyone wants to take his wages. Johnny Evans is the kind of one that you you expect, and Van Persie you'd expect to go to. Johnny Evans is like borderline, right? It depends on um, whether they guess another defender. Let's assume they do. And then lots of talk about Nicholas Otamendi. We'll come, we'll come to transfers later. But Evans, I'd think so. And Van Persie, I'd think so too. And Di Maria is a big question mark. 
uh, for me. And I'm not sure further than that whether there'll be any sort of big name departures. Probably some loans. I mean, Yanazai might go out and loan. I, I guess they'll probably sell Nick Powell. That doesn't really count, does it? He's, he's barely played for United. Question mark over Paddy McNair. Will he get a loan? Van Hal's been reluctant to loan him. There was some talk about that before. James Wilson, again, reluctant to loan him. Uh, depends on United's striker situation on the sort of opening day of the season next season, doesn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I think from Van Gaal's perspective, like the choice of loan destination is really key, right? Because he's so obsessed with teaching players that you send a young player out on loan for a season, it's, you know, you can't control their education at that point, can you? So I do think that's... Uh, it's different for Van Gaal than it might be for some other managers. But yeah. like, if he doesn't send Yanazai on loan and he doesn't play him, that's like, really dodgy. Yeah. Same, same with Wilson, kind of, but Yanazai uh, kind of a season ahead, right? Okay, so there's, there's two things here. One, Van Gaal doesn't have the same kind of network in England, so he doesn't have the kind of trusted set of clubs. Mm-hmm. To send players to the other the other way. Looking at that, of course, is Fergie had like pure cronyism when it came to loaning players out. I mean, he was either went to his his son, literally to his son, or his his favourite managers or clubs uh, around the country. So you know, some of which worked and some didn't. Uh, it, you know, a lot of that depends on the players taking their chance and the circumstances in which the the club where the loanee goes to finds itself. You know, we a couple of unlucky. Loans, for example, for Federico Machado ended up playing in relegation teams and it didn't help him much. No, absolutely. And to go back to big name players maybe on the way out, like if Di Maria leaves, I'll be sad, but I don't think you could call that a massive shock. You know, it's not like that wouldn't be a shocking transfer. I, I actually think he's going to stay. That's my my take on it. But whatever, I, w- I certainly wouldn't be shocked if he left. Van Persie, it's almost the other way around where I'm kind of sort of expecting him to leave. But I would not be totally shocked if he ends up staying because he can take on a kind of senior player role used on occasion if he's happy to transition to that. But that that seems kind of a long shot because he's got a big ego on him, hasn't he, Van Persie? As you're supposed to have if you're brilliant striker big ego and he looks really rusty when he doesn't play for a while which is quite a lot at the yeah, moment no, so that's true um yeah i, I mean I, I just don't i don't see the value but i suppose if um and you know it's not not on an anti van Persie rant or anything like that you know he's he's been a great player for united well at least he was in one season and then had two kind of bitty seasons where injury have really affected his performances i think there's just something in particular over the last six months just feels like he's getting old right that just extra bit of sharpness seems to have gone. That might be fitness or it might be age catching up with him. So kind of feels you'd move the player on, right? I mean, United haven't always done that. And Fergie, in, in many ways, has proven right by not moving players on, especially the greats, you know, why would you? Arsene Wenger over the years has looked at the data and, and kind of almost made a decision to move a player on when they've hit their peak and they're on the way down and he can maximise the value from selling them, you know. I don't, I don't think... Di Maria aside, I don't think United will get very much money for any of the players, you know, not in the tens of millions anyway. So, um, But in aggregate, add them all up and they, they might get a good chunk there to go towards buying whomever. Yeah, and you know that the the wage thing is going to be, there. you know, there's a lot of wages gone out of the club in the last few seasons, the last two seasons, and there will be again this summer, of course, um, especially Farcao's wage um, will be a be a big uh, flexibility in the budget, right? Um, but, you know, I 
I kind of almost wouldn't be surprised if a player that we haven't mentioned yet gets sold. Uh, there was there was talk of Tony Valencia. That that would seem weird because he seems like Van Gaal's put a lot of trust in Valencia. But I do wonder if actually this summer, some of the players that he has used as sort of trusted lieutenants but are kind of underwhelming in the absolute, actually he might look to move them on. But then you're really only talking about young Valencia and Fellaini there. And and any of those leaving would be a surprise after this season. Although, you know, in two out of those three cases, I certainly wouldn't be shedding any tears to see them not in the squad. Mm, uh, two? Uh, three, yeah. Um, well, look, Young's definitely saying he's just signed a new contract, so uh, no question there. I, I, I wouldn't be... So it depends on who United bring in. I mean, uh, lots of talk about Guy Ten at the moment it would disappoint me a little bit. But uh, again, let's have a fuller conversation later about transfers out. But So Young's definitely going to stay. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he's not a bit more of a bit part, part player next season. For Laney, I, I'm going to assume he's going to stay. But yeah, you, know, you never know. It would massively surprise me if he's as important next season. And I think that would say that United haven't got the players they wanted if he is. Um, and Valencia, well, Van Gaal seems to like him and it would it would be a case of bringing in two right-backs for him to leave. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So an interesting an interesting summer ahead. The, the season that's passed, you know, the last few weeks have been thoroughly underwhelming, but the few weeks that went before that were awesome. So if you'd flip-flop that round and the, the last period of the season had been the kind of six-game run, particularly the four-game run we've talked about, ad nauseum the, the definitely the highlights of the season were that city game that liverpool game that tottenham game they were yeah there was something else right and and especially given the history of our recent past against liverpool and city and last season and all that sort of thing but it, it makes you think whether that was what's to come in the future and you know a positive sign ahead and we're on the right path and and we just need to find that consistency um, which is what a few of the players have said um, in recent times, or whether that was just a blip, because you could, you could almost like cut the season up into three parts. Uh, it was a, a kind of pretty horrendous opening, um, 13 points from 10 games or whatever it was that Van Gaal talked about in his speech. Then that kind of long stretch where United were picking up points, but were pretty dull, played some really uninspiring football, but got points, and it was really important they did at that time. And then the latter third of the season where you had that sort of, you know, burst of some excellent performances, six games uh, on the bounce that United won and then this really disappointing end, you know, and like kind of in the macro, it's just been good enough, hasn't it? Just good enough. KPIs met. United, they've gone round in par and no better than that. But um, there's been some shanks along the way, I think. Yeah, and so uh, a couple a couple of eagles. That's... And a couple of eagles, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The interesting thing, there were there were good performances before the great performances started. Think back to Newcastle, Hull, uh, Leicester at home. That one was a bit dull, but the the Newcastle and Hull game I thought were were pretty pretty great at home. I mean, obviously that's no great shakes, and and our home form in general's been excellent, you know, all season barring a few little wobbles, but certainly compared to last season. But of course, our away away form has been really problematic and you know the question of whether that really good run of form was a blip or sign of progress I, I I guess it won't surprise anyone to know that I lean towards the optimistic on that but it's not just uh, pie-eyed rose-tinted spectacles I don't think it's it's actually just about understanding the nature of learning right that those performances were broadly what we would have expected 
Van Gaal's good Manchester United to look like. They were surprising only in that they emerged suddenly out of apparently nowhere, rather than they were surprising in the absolute, right? A really effective 4-3-3, lots of really great passing and interplay, uh, loads of chances created by our creative players. None of that would have surprised us at the beginning of the season that we'd see that at some point. So it did really feel like the kind of, the, the, gelling of the Van Gaal system, the the getting of the philosophy, which is interestingly enough a word he's almost completely stopped using. I don't know if you've noticed that. I think someone's had a word. But um But if they got it, they forgot it. I mean the, the funny thing is that um uh, I think it was Wayne Rooney this week talked about how hard it was to get to grips with all the information and, and uh, all the changes and, and Van Gaal's way of working. Was it Rooney or Smalling? One of the two. I, I don't know, actually. I yeah. haven't heard this. Um, and, um, and, and so fine, you know, that's validation of that viewpoint. that It's taken them a long time to, to get to grips with the way that Van Gaal works and, and some of the better performances came on the back of them learning. Hard to explain what happened over the last six games of the season in that case, though. Because, you know, what had they done enough and thought, well, we've done enough now. Liverpool have fallen away. We can't be bothered anymore and I know that's really reductive but it kind of feels like that if that's the case. I think it's a combination of things I think firstly learning doesn't go in a straight line if you remember back when you were learning to drive you have periods of competency right and then it kind of goes away as the learning's bedding Mm, in. I think I had about three lessons. Yeah well you're special aren't you Ed we all know that. I I am very special. (laughs) Um, But you know so so in a way you kind of expect the the dip the regression to the mean to happen at some point and then but you're hoping that there's a kind of underlying continual learning and growth happening underneath that and secondly the team was really shaken up by injuries and I think the blip in all this is the Crystal Palace game because the Crystal Palace game in the, in the second half was very short on quality but it was extremely high in, on endeavour and it's almost like that's kind of the proof of the theory that they've let the foot off the gas because that was really the only time when they really put their foot on the gas and that was when they were under a bit of pressure and they needed that result to kind of solidify fourth. It's not great if it is the case that they've taken their foot off the gas. It is it is really quite worrying and I wonder if they will live to pay for that if we we end up in the Europa League. That's my take on why it was good and then it wasn't again, you know. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, it really does worry me. I'm sure. I'm sure that Van Hull, he's a smart man, right? Uh, he's going to be looking at that, and he'll be making an assessment about the character of some of his players as well as their performances. You know, and so how do we do this? So why don't we go through the squad in categories: goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, forwards, and uh, give you know, it doesn't have to be points, but give our assessment of each. Are we going to give? Are we going to give a best and worst in each category? Yeah, why not? No, why not? It's time, uh, time to dole out some awards. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll actually do some ratings on there. I'll take my bank holiday and I'll probably write about five thousand words as I do every year. And, <laughs> ratings uh, at which point people will say you're rubbish i hate you or something akin to that i'm taking my bank holiday and uh writing a, a ranking from top to bottom of every single united player so we can uh, we can compare notes right. after it's Very done good. we can we can obviously you you're wrong <laughs> but yeah. hey let's let's start with goalkeepers then so david de Gea. Pretty pretty disappointed <laughs> season really i thought two bad games um, yeah, two you know, bad games all season well, the funny thing is, I mean, thinking back to it now, you know, of course, you know, the, the narrative is always the thing you remember, like, last in many ways, right, with football. So, um, which is, right, you're only as good as your last game and all that. But uh, towards the beginning of the season, 
his performances were a little bit shaky. Not bad, but a little bit shaky. And I actually wrote a piece. Um, so looking back on it, I wrote a piece uh, in sort of late September saying, you know, basically David De Gea's form, um, what's going on sort of thing. And it kind of coincided with some shaky performances from United defensively in the beginning of the season. But since then, I mean, it's just been magnificent. And, um, you know, the very, very rare mistake you can highlight only because he's been so excellent. I believe that you wrote that article before the Everton game. Because that was the turning point, right? That was the the absolutely outstanding performance. One of the best goal... Well, it's definitely the best goalkeeper performance I've ever seen with my own eyes in real life. One of the best I've ever seen in any circumstances. Well, I, I reckon, you know, one of his mates is maybe Juan Mata. He likes a bit of social media, doesn't it? Is sending it along to him and said, Dave, buck up your ideas. The, the rant's on you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, he turned him around. But that Everton game was remarkable. And then from then, it was entirely solid until I think uh, that goal against Liverpool in the away leg, which took kind of a deflection. And then there was the Benteke goal after that. Then the Everton game was kind of a little bit shaky. But then since then, brilliant again from that Crystal Palace save onwards. Because we did talk about his focus may have gone. And I wonder whether that wasn't just right in the middle of his negotiations with uh, Real Madrid. Or with United, even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is he negotiating with United? <laughs> I mean, I know United keep like wheeling in barrows of cash going, here you go, mate. We can give you in pesos if you want. Or... Pesos? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mexican currency, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, talking of uh, po- politics, he, De Gea was very unhappy after Eurovision. Did you see all that? He was fuming. Not about the singing, it's just about national politics, he was saying. The last person on earth to realise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how how many points did she get? Like five or something. It wasn't very good. Beaten by the Australian, wasn't she? I have no idea. I just I just saw the tweets from there. <laughs> um, the uh, so yeah, I mean he, he just had a spectacular season, and we're really gonna miss him because the amount of points he got us this season is ridiculous, and some of those points would have been earned by another goalkeeper also, but. Absolutely, without a doubt, not all of them. That Crystal Palace save, the the way he um, he did in this very fast crab walk, not really crab walk, but crouch squatting walk out towards the striker and managed to get a really solid hand to it. It was an absolutely astonishing piece of of goalkeeping technique. You know, not not like amazing lightning reactions, although that too. But it was the it was the application of technique, and that's been the story of his season. I think his best performance was uh, that Liverpool three nil at home, uh, where he just marshalled Raheem Sterling, and it was it wasn't the one with the most spectacular saves in it, but as a kind of all round absolutely bossing it goalkeeping performance, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, great performance that one because that would have changed the nature of the game completely if if he hadn't that was a couple of one on ones with. Sterling that he he managed to save probably put an extra zero on Sterling's wages no or didn't anyway yeah just just brilliant um nothing you can say about uh, uh, Lindegaard he's been what, picking his nose all season I assume uh, really weird that he's still with the club just don't really understand why he didn't go uh, in January when Valdez signed but he didn't and in Valdez he's had a game and a half ish in which uh, he didn't have much to do 
uh, last weekend and then then had a mixed game as we just discussed uh, today against Hull. It kept our first clean sheet for weeks on end. True. Maybe that's more about Hull than Victor Valdez. But... Give him the golden gloves. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, he seems nice. Uh, same with Lindegaard, actually. They're a bunch, they're quite nice lads, our goalkeepers in general, I find. Yeah. So someone tweeted me and said, it's just like Jim Layton, just prettier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, right backs. Yeah, well, I mean, we've only had one, haven't we? Uh, I mean, uh, you look back on it and Raphael's played like you know, 12, 14 games or something like that. Not that many. Haven't seen him in months. Uh, we presume he's still alive, uh, but he got an injury and could never get back in the side. Of course, he got an injury and then got another injury just as he was regaining fitness again in the in the under-21s. Uh, so, yeah, like a 3 out of 10 for Raphael. Horrible season. He'll be off. Such a shame that him and his brother didn't make it. You know, the Brazilian Nevilles turned out to be the Brazilian Phil Nevilles. And Tony Velez, he's been solid enough, but he just makes mistakes defensively, mostly in terms of his positioning. It, it's funny, I was listening to... Graham Hunter's podcast with Gary Neville this week. It's a couple of months old. Uh, finally got around to listening to it. Uh, you know, fascinating chat between the two of them. And one thing Gary Neville said was that he always, 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 because Eric Harrison had told him, uh, looked at the positioning of the senior pros at right back, and and that was the thing he he focused on most. And he he'd like to think that he hardly ever got out of position through his career. And I think that was right about Neville. Actually, you know, um, he was. Half decent going forward, not not brilliant. He got better over time, didn't he? Got better over time, and at one point he was United's best crosser in post post Beckham. But that wasn't the best part of his game. He was very solid defensively, and and yeah, he's right. He never got himself out of position. Problem with uh, Anthony Valencia, Tony Valencia, um, is that he gets himself out of position a lot, and that's because he doesn't really know how to play it. You know, I think Van Gaal likes him because he's got pace and he works hard, and he actually doesn't take very many risks with the ball. Um, uh, which, you know, is a good thing and a bad thing, isn't it, in that position? Uh, it never takes on a player anymore, uh, save for that, like, one game where he decided to do it and beat, beat a man a couple of times. Um, uh, so he's a safe he's safe enough uh, there, but clearly an upgrade needed. Yeah, Raphael, you said he played games in the teens, six starts, four substitute appearances uh, in the league. And it's interesting because he did have good games, he had a really good period. I, I can't remember if it was West Ham or Everton where I thought he was like right up there with the best performers on the pitch. I think it was the West Ham game. And it was just such a shame that he just kept getting injured. And then after, after um, so he was injured at first, he came back, he sort of played pretty well, then got injured again. And then it was after that that Van Gaal just gave up on him because, because he hugely trusted Valencia. Because for all his defensive vulnerability, he's incredibly safe on the ball. He's... Uh, his pass completion is joint top of United's pass completion charts. Now, that's not an end and of itself by any stretch of the imagination, but it does indicate something, doesn't it, about about the way Van Gaal likes to play. Do you remember that game? I think it was the one we went to together where he played in central midfield and you said this is ideal because you're going to get the ball and knock it inside and play it all safe. And it's uh, perfect. Yeah, only Rooney and De Gea have played more games than Valencia this season. So that kind of tells you something about the trust that Van Gaal has in him. I'd be absolutely astonished if United don't buy another right back, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it would be almost criminal yeah. in terms of its neglect on the team. It's, it's needed, but he's done OK. Yeah. Left back. Uh, we've got tons yeah. and tons of left backs, but they've uh, all had various difficulties at various times in the season, all had periods of injury. 
I mean, we could do this pretty quickly because it's, it's all stuff we've covered, but Luke Shaw, when he played well, he was excellent. Yeah, just not enough of those games, you know, and uh, I think it would be unfair. I mean, I'm a big fan in terms of the raw materials, but it'd be unfair of me to praise him too much because he just there just haven't been those games, right? So it'd be from memory. But he's played 18 games and, you know, he's just been unfit too often, right? And, uh, and not unfit in the... Um, Van Hull sense of just not you know sharp enough, but just been injured too often, and and uh, Van Hull blamed it on burnout last week, um, uh, called him out, and has uh, kind of forced the England under twenty ones not to take him to the Euro under twenty ones this summer. Probably a good call that one, um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Daly Blint had a few very his best games were definitely a left back, not in midfield this season. I thought he performed pretty well, coincided with United playing well as well, and Rojo's played a couple of games there. Not many. Decent-ish number, maybe a few more than you think. Uh, a good sort of six or seven, I'd say. Yeah, and he's solid. He's like kind of, you know, he's a really lazy comparison. But he's Gabriel Heinzer, isn't he? It's not his natural <laughs> position, but he's going to work harder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shaw's performance against Chelsea, so unfortunately he got injured after that, but Shaw's performance against Chelsea was the kind of the thing of like, oh, this is why we paid £30 million for a, a child at right back, you know, at left back, sorry. Because it was it was really, really special display from what could turn out to be a really special player. Um, and, and it's fantastic that Van Gaal's put his foot down and it was really more more just praise for Van Gaal's dealings with the press, really, because the way he talked about that, it was just like, I, he said, I saw this described as, as uh, Louis Van Gaal winning, in one of the in one of the papers, but it's not Louis Van Gaal winning at all. It's Luke Shaw winning. This is about the the protecting the players and the England doctors agreed with my doctors in the end, and Gareth Southgate and Roy Hodgson both ended up agreeing with me. So this isn't about me winning. So it was excellent. Well, and and that's fair enough. In the prior to that explanation, I mean, he effectively manipulated the media very well because he went out and said, "Look, this lad's approaching burnout." Uh, we have to protect him. Uh, if we don't protect him, bad things are going to happen, basically, right? So he's then put England in a position of if they took him, they are taking a risk with this player uh, and uh, and it's a PR disaster if he went on and got injured. Anyway, so, you know, sure, mediocre season, honestly, but I think there's so much better. If he can just stay fit next season, he's definitely going to be United's left back and I think he'll be a massive plus because it will it'll allow United to attack from fullback as well, right, on that side. Uh, Blint, he's done well there. I mean, if we can have a situation where they're both fit and Blint can play there if necessary, great. We're, we're very solid there. And Rojo, I think we're, we're pretty covered at left-back, right? Not not about a buy one in the summer. No, for sure. Uh, unlike Real Madrid offering us Cohen Trow and uh, for David De Gea. It's like, oh, do you still want him? Remember when you wanted him before? We don't need him anymore, Real Madrid. We've bought three left-backs since then. That's, that's like us... That's like Real Madrid offering us, you know, the the British Eurovision Song Contest winner, <laughs> or winner participant. Um, so uh, centre backs, yeah, what a mixed bag. I mean, Smalling, who's grown into the season, and in the end, you'd say he's United's best defender. No arguments there, I don't think. Um, he, he, I mean, he's just had a, a very good sort of second part to the season. Uh, after that brain dead moment against uh, Manchester City, could have broken him. That one didn't. Jones, he's had some very good performances, some mixed performances, some great moments, and a punch in the stomach. Still feel okay about Jones. I hope that uh, next season is the real breakthrough. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Rojo looked excellent when he was fit, 
wasn't fit often enough and Johnny Evans just looked terrible uh, when he was fit wasn't fit often enough or too often if you want to be cruel um few things one you know you talked about narrative sort of defining the season but like Rocco's played a hundred fewer minutes than Phil Jones across the whole of the season Jones and Smalling were both out of action a lot in the end Smalling Pips Jones by one minute in the minutes played on the pitch is kind of interesting. Uh, th- their relative season, the two of them, has been have been kind of fascinating because I think it, it's ultimately quite surprising that it's Chris Smalling that's had the better of the two seasons. Um, and, and Jones has maybe had the highlight real moments, but also the low light real moments because when he's bad, he's very very bad, right? Johnny Evans. Everyone wants to write Evans off, and and I think I can see why. It's been a very bad couple of seasons. But part of me still thinks there are some things he does very well. Some of his reading of the game is still of quite a high quality. And I wouldn't be completely beyond belief shocked if Van Gaal hang on, hung on to him and brought about something of a transition in his reputation as the way as he has done with certain other players. But I think that the things acting against that are he's going to be bringing in top quality talent in central defence this summer and Evans's injury record is such that it seems hard to imagine he's going to sustain that and somehow claw his way back into that position. You reckon he's in the top five best central defenders in the world, Paul? Someone did ask us about the awkward pauses on Twitter when I say something you really disagree with. <laughs> I saw that. Um, that's, that's why I left a really long one there. So, defensive midfielders, then. Two of them in the whole squad. I guess Valencia played that. Are you that. counting Wayne Rooney in one of those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he, did, he did have a go, didn't he? Carrick, excellent, much better than last season uh, when he was fit. And, of course, it all fell apart when he was out of the team. And that, that kind of boosts his reputation something, uh, somewhat, doesn't it? Uh, so, you know, I think he's had a very good season there, Carrick. Um, he's obviously a mature player. He's going to get more injuries. Uh, but he does what Carrick does. He reads the game brilliantly and people kind of forget that, you know. And when he's out of the side and, and you put in quality players in there, you can't do it to the same extent at all. You notice the difference. I mean, the thing that, that you're right, but to say he's had a good season, he's had a good half a season. He's played less than half the minutes that De Gea's played. De Gea's, of course, played almost every game. Uh, you know, he's played less minutes in the first team than Angel Di Maria this season, Michael Caracas. So, like, huge chunks of the season where he just wasn't available. And, and there is a heck of an overlap between United's good performances and the times he was available. And, and that... That that must have some meaning, even if it's not the be all and end all of the story. Um, but yeah, when he's been when he's been around, he's been he's been dead good for the most part, hasn't he? he looked really important in. He certainly was one of our best players during our best period. Was yes, he? he was. Yeah, and and then the other one being Daily Blint, who you know, I just yeah, I I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I, I always feel a bit meh about him. I, I don't. It doesn't feel like a natural position to me but then again I'm not quite sure what his natural position is maybe in front of the mirror he's not like that though is he he's a good man daily blend no he's a... no he, he's a he's a solid he's a solid addition to the squad uh, he's just not Carrick and you know it's I I, I kind of think what would it take for United to win the European Cup or Premier League first European Cup next can I see daily blend anchoring United's midfield 
as as you know Chris Smalling lifts old big ears and United the European champions again. You know, not really. Uh, and and that's the kind of benchmark. And, and, you know, so maybe that's why I kind of feel disappointed with him. I can't either. But what I can see is him playing a really important role as an understudy in a quarterfinal when someone's suspended or getting a bunch of games in a row in those kind of games, which we have to grind out not particularly exciting wins on the process of a league season. As you say, important, useful squad player rather than superstar yeah uh, Herrera has played a couple of games there did all right not his natural position he's he's an intelligent player so I think he does okay there and he, you know he's a little ratter isn't he so he likes to put a tackle in as well so he probably quite enjoyed it uh, Wayne Rooney played there once something like that I mean, Van Hal talked about it it wasn't great was it Rooney playing in defensive midfield Rooney playing you can, you can cut the rest off <laughs> um so at this point I want to put forward um my a hypothesis, which is that Ander Herrera is our outfield player of the season. Ander Herrera has been our best outfield player this season when you take the season in totality. Now, he missed the first third of the season, essentially, but he's 10th in total minutes played in a squad, putting him in the first 11 of... You love this stat, don't you? It's your stat of the week. It is minutes played. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought it was kind of interesting because, as you say, that that it's this thing about narrative. It's we remember the broad brushstrokes, but if you look at the details, sometimes they're slightly different. And I think Herrera's been consistently like it. Very rarely has he put in an actual poor performance. Maybe one or two all season. A few times he's been absolutely excellent, and generally he's just been solid every time he plays. And talk about a player who we look better with him in the team than with, without him in the team. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't know if I agree with the assessment that he's been our best outfield player. But then again, it's a really difficult choice that one because. Um, you know, if if Carrick had played the last six games, would I would I be thinking Carrick was our best outfield player? I, I probably did think that up until that point. Smalling has grown, so the the kind of narrative of his season is more positive than it would have been if you just jumbled it up a bit. And and Herrera, of course, has has been excellent. I think he's been United's best player in quite a few games, but he didn't play that much of the season, or at least didn't play that much of the first half of the season. So you know, he's been very good, and I, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, as we mentioned last week, he's grown into the season as well, hasn't he? And he's become a better player than he was at, at Bill Bow. I think he's add, added more to his game. Uh, I think he'll be a very important player for United next season in what I expect will be a three-man midfield. And I think he will be the kind of, you know, half, right? Half defence, half attack player. Um, and a very important player for United. And I think he'll have an excellent season next season. Is he United's best outfield player? You know, I don't, I don't know, maybe. I also think now there is a player that you really can see lifting the European Cup. You know, you, you really can see him achieving very high levels of performance in very big games. You know, we, we sort of joked last week about him replacing Iniesta at Barcelona. Doesn't feel that far-fetched to see him doing that, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's not attained those levels of performance consistently nope, not yet so any Esther levels of performance he, he's not scored the goal you know in the in the dying minutes of injury time to win Barcelona a semi-final at Sanford Bridge don't know why I remembered that one <laughs> Chelsea fans uh, so uh, when it comes to other midfielders uh, one matter 
feels like a mixed season because for a lot of the time it didn't feel like he was in the side, but actually he's played a lot of minutes and a lot of games for United. Yeah, he's he's number four in my list that I've got up in front of me of minutes played. You, you've just got like which, you know, you're like some kind of mass murderer with a scrapbook wall, haven't you? With loads of like yeah, the stats, weird stats. It's it's like me and my shortest pass, like average pass length. <laughs> I've just got who scored open and I've got the team sorted by number of minutes played on the pitch. And one matter is number four, which is slightly counterintuitive because there certainly felt like there was a period of the season where he was uh, seriously excluded from proceedings. But it turns out that was actually a really short period of the season and he's played loads and loads and loads. And scored a lot of goals as well for United this season. So take all that. He's played a lot of games. He's got a lot of goals. Uh, He's played in a variety of different positions. He's had a very good season. The only disappointing thing is that he hasn't locked down number 10. And of course, that's a lot of that's to do with A, the preference and special privileges that Wayne Rooney gets for some bizarre reason. And B, that uh, Van Hal effectively stopped playing with the number 10 uh, as the season wore on, you know. So he's done well as that kind of outside false, false winger, as Van Hal called him. It's not the position that I think he would like to play, uh, although his best stuff is always when he cuts inside. He's not going to beat a man for pace or trickery or anything like that, you know. So it, that kind of role in a non-winger role, as opposed to the one that David Moyes tried to play him in, uh, hugging the touchline, is one he can play. Um, you just kind of like, he's just a player that you'd like the ball to go through as a number 10, if United are going to play with a number 10. Now, I'm not sure they will next season. And I think he has had plenty of average games this season, Mata has. Now, obviously, like, is everyone that pays any attention to this podcast or anything I write or tweet about will know that I absolutely love Juan Mata. I just, I love watching him play football. And when he's playing well, that, that's my very favourite moments this season have been Herrera and Mata playing well together. Those have been the highlights of the season. Um, and it's just a beautiful, he's just a brilliant footballer. He plays the game in the way I love to see the game being played. But he's had a lot of performances where he wasn't able to influence proceedings, where there was that whole period of time where basically every time he played away from home, he uh, he looked really rough. And, and the sort of turning point for that was Spurs away, uh, that, that game where we were fighting. It wasn't football, it was a fight for survival or whatever it was that, um, that Van Gaal called it. And in the end, of course, Mata's very best performance of the season came away from home. Uh, a, a kind of United career-defining performance away at Anfield. Right, but then came the defeat at Chelsea and defeat at Everton, both of which were very poor games from him, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah you're right. I mean, on the road, it's not been as good. But then again, you know, United as a whole collective have been pretty poor on the road. So, yes, uh, I mean, you're right. It's a decent season. He's played a lot of games, got a lot of goals. He's had some impact, um, but the consistency of performance and the standard of performance isn't quite what we'd like. Um, I, I don't know. Is that the best of one matter? Is that, is that the one matter that won Chelsea player of the season twice in a row? You know, we've had a season and a half of one matter. Is that him? You know, he's a he's a joy to watch. He scores goals, but he doesn't influence games. I mean, he, he doesn't influence every game. Because he definitely influences games, doesn't he? When he's on song and when it's working, he, he's hugely influential. But there haven't been too many games that he's run this season. Uh, Liverpool one being the one that le- leaps to mind. But, you know, I've just, for the love of all that is holy, hope Van Gaal keeps him around and finds a way to make an important part of the side because he's just so good to watch. He's definitely going to stay around. He'll be at United next season. Uh, it just, I mean, kind of depends 
on on who you believe on this one, right? So intuitively, I think Van Hal is going to go with you know a number nine and two wide players, one of which Memphis. Uh, and he's going to want to inject some pace into the side, and he's going to play with three in central midfield, one of which is a defensive midfielder to be bought, one of which is Ander Herrera, and one of which is another, right? And whether that's Fellaini or Di Maria or a new player, Gundogan or you know whoever we believe, who's going to add some balance in there. And, and my instinct tells me that he's going to want to play with some pace on that right-hand side, and Matt is going to struggle to get a game because he's not going to get a game at number 10. Um, and uh, if Van Hal's looking to inject some pace into the side, he won't get a game uh, on the right, uh, on the inside right either. And, and you know that would be a shame for him because then he'd go back to sort of you know being in and out of the side. But maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he he Van Hal will find balance with one player being the attacking player in Memphis and one player coming inside to try and control the game. And in that scenario, Maddie's got a great chance of playing like he does now, but in that role. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that is not unlikely. But of course, that's going to depend hugely on the transfer window, isn't it? And who we're bringing, because if we end up scoring Gareth Bale in a ridiculous coup of some description, you know, that there's a lot of um, big, splashy signings, opportunistic signings that could happen this summer that could disrupt all that balance. Um, but intuitively, you think that Memphis on one flank and Mata coming in on off the other, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare for defences, isn't it? It's gonna be, there's a lot to deal with there. The other player, of course, that's played a lot of attacking midfield this season, uh, Maran Fellaini. Had a better season than anyone would have predicted he would have had. But I think he's had as many bad games as he's had good games. Yeah, and a lot of bad games recently. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not um, at least Hull, where he tried to take someone's leg off. He scored some really, really vitally important goals this season. Um, not got a single assist, interestingly enough. That's just a weird quirk of statistics. Um, but, but he has scored six goals. Uh, I think... Uh, three of those goals, I looked it up earlier, three of those goals have come in games where they were draws or one goal victories, you know, so just a bunch of really crucial goals um, for Fellaini this season. Uh, he scored that goal that kicked it all off against Tottenham, uh, obviously the header against Palace, that goal against West Brom. Yeah, he showed a turn of pace in that goal as well against Spurs and a, and a <laughs> yeah, good finish. He did. It's never happened again. Uh, so I, I wonder whether it just wasn't some quirk of the TV. The pitch is speeding up. You know how you watch old showreel of games and they look like they're 10 times faster than they really... I think that happened in that moment. Uh, Fellaini doesn't really run that fast. It's kind of interesting to me, and it's probably dangerous to read too much into this, it's kind of interesting to me that Fellaini was dropped in favour of Di Maria for this whole game and actually Young played inside... And Di Maria played out wide rather than keeping Fellaini in that position and dropping Young, which sort of, I think, tells you something about the pecking order in Van Gaal's mind. I think Van Gaal said, I can't drop Fellaini at one point in the season. He didn't exactly say, I don't want to drop Fellaini at that point, you know. I also think it's it's something about the evolution of this side, right? There There is no top side. I just can't think of any top side. Uh, that plays a kind of battering ram in there. I mean, top in European terms. Maybe, you know, when Karsten Janka was a forward for Bayern years ago. But just not too many. And I, I cannot see Fellaini being an important part of the side next season. Maybe I'll eat my words. I'd be really surprised. I think I think United Van Gaal will definitely want to play another sort of, you know, attacking player who can really affect games. And I actually think over the last six games... 
there are some of those games, and especially games where teams defend, that uh, United have missed um, having the ability of Di Maria in there to create a goal, and his way of creating goals, as bad as he's been, he's still United's top assist maker, right, Um, this season, as opposed to the... Fellaini way of making goals, right? Which, which, as you've just said, no assists, right? That that methodology hasn't seemed to have created the goals that we wanted. He scored a few, scored a few crucial ones. They've, you know, three of them come in the last sort of ten games or so, haven't they? But I don't think he'll be part of the side next season in any significant way. Uh, that's my take on it too. There are people that feel very differently. There are people that feel that he's kind of tarred with the brush of being associated with Moyes and actually he's been really important to us in a bunch of big games and and I think there is some truth in that position but I just think if you look at the totality of his contribution we can do better you know it's not greedy and spoilt to expect a slightly higher quality of player and you know apart from his re- weird violent streak I find Fellaini quite endearing I've he's a very likable chap in interviews you know he does have this really nasty streak on the pitch and in, in we've talked about this before he's he's snidey isn't he? he's an in, he's not an enforcer in the sense of like putting in a tough challenge to win the ball. He's, he, no, he doesn't do that at all. He's a damager, you know. Mm. So you, you mentioned Di Maria, which I guess is a neat segue, uh, since uh, you can't really, it's really difficult to uh, attribute him to a position this season because he's played absolutely all over the place. The bench. Yeah, but, you know, 13th most minutes played in the squad, played more than Michael Carrick. <laughs> but yeah, he's obviously been on the bench for a huge extended run in this last period of the season. But, you know, we're only in Europe because of Di Maria's assists and goals um, earlier in the season as well. He looked so good at first and I can't help thinking that there's more to come. I don't buy the idea that he's not trying. I'm sure he's fed up with having been on the bench for, for so much. But th- yeah. I, I'm not sure not trying is the right way of putting it. That that really is reductive. But the performances aren't coming, right? And I don't think that uh, he, is, he is performing on the pitch in the way he said off the pitch, which was he really wants to show. I, I, I'm not sure I see that at all, you know? And I, I, if that was the case and he was, you know, the best player in training every week um, and he was, he was forcing... Van Gaal to play him and you know I feel like I'm saying some cliched things here which really annoy me when people say it on Twitter like this but but I think there's something missing right they say it's not just that it's tactical or Van Gaal can't get him in the side or um, he was mentally damaged by that break in there's something that he is not giving as well Um, and I hope he can find it over the summer because you know that talent is magnificent his ability to create and score goals is absolutely vitally important for United. And, and, and if anything's let United down this season, it's the ability to score goals. And he can do that, or at least create them. And you know, United do have to find more goals next season to push on. So he's got to be part of the side. He's got to be part of the side. And there's just no point in it, it continuing like this, right? So Van Gaal makes a, a decision. Either this guy's an important player on the side and he's going to play him, and and Di Maria has to basically make that case, um, or both, you know, both parties have to go their separate ways, and it'd be better for both if United sold him at a probably a significant loss and moved on. It, I I think the fact that he put him in the starting eleven against Hull had some degree of significance in that regard because he didn't have to do that, and he did it, and and he hasn't done it a lot. 
The game that really surprised me was West Brom. That was the game I was really surprised when when Dimeria didn't feature in the starting eleven. I think if he had completely given up on him, he wouldn't have played him today. But the fact that he got injured twenty minutes into that game is really uh, it's really really heavy. And and I think there's going to be talk in the summer. At the very least, there'll be paper talk about him leaving. Whether there's any truth in it, we'll we'll find out in time. I, I'll be really really disappointed if he leaves. Um, because I just think there's more to come. You know, it's not just that he's United's top assist maker. It's that he's made twice as many assists as any other player in the side. Right, including Mata, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, um, my number one hope here is that United and Van Gaal find a way of getting the best out of this guy. Yeah. Because they do that. They've got a, a match winner. Can I see him making a difference when United, you know, lift, lift the European Cup? Absolutely. He's done it before, hasn't he? You know. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ashley Young, then... At this yep. point, worthy of a mention. I mean, a player who's had a much better season than anyone would have expected. And I think, actually, has had a much, much, much better season than Marin Fellaini. He's the player he's often compared with. I think Young's been basically consistent all season long. I think he's put in an absolute shift for Van Gaal, as has Fellaini to a, to a certain degree too. But, but really, just incredible work rate and discipline and diligence and... You know, five assists, that makes him joint second. This is all in the league. Joint second in United's assist makers. Just two goals. The numbers are far from spectacular. There's definitely an upgrade. Well, we've probably already bought an upgrade on him, right? But he's proven just how many positions he can play this season. And, and, you know, I've loved seeing it. I've loved seeing it because he's a player who gets paid too much money for his relative skill level to the rest of the team, but otherwise has, has kind of really tried to make himself part of the fabric of United since he came. Yeah, um, lots of credit to, to Ashley Young for the increase in performances, uh, five assists, two goals, the work rate, his defensive ability, great squad man, good pro, stop diving, <laughs> uh, eats bird poo, all of that, right? So deny it, Ashley, we know it's true. Okay, just 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 admit it, mate. All right, thanks. Um, so all of that is, you know, in the tick column and and when you talk about you know we had a discussion last week about relative performances relatively he's done really well absolutely i you know i still think it's not that spectacular de Maria's had a terrible season twice as many assists and more goals uh, you know i just i just think young is at the apex of his ability this season and it's not that spectacular but a good squad man he's going to be around in the in the squad for another three years it wouldn't surprise me that much if he never has another season like that again for United and in a couple of years time we're talking about him being a burden on a wage bill because we can't get him off it he's not going to get another massive contract though is he yeah I mean this is this is absolutely a discussion about relative versus absolute and and even in the absolute he's made a significant contribution this season but not a world-beating contribution. No one's saying Ashley Young should be player of the year for the Premier League or in Europe or anything like that, are they? You know, this is not elite, elite level performance, but this is way better than anyone would have expected from Ashley Young on the relative side and fundamentally decent on the absolute side. You know, a perfectly serviceable, decent all-round contribution all season. And there's not many players that, you know, I think you could probably argue that Young has been United's most consistent outfield player in terms of the season as a whole. Consistent's fair, yeah. Yeah, he is consistent, and uh, and he's done some things that have surprised me as well. And, you know, there were even games. Uh, you know, <laughs> hold hold your breath, mate. 
even games where he went on the outside and put a ball in with his left foot. I told you. I told you it happened. You said he was one trick. I said one and a half. I don't know if it's half, though, because that would mean that, you know, two times he cuts inside and one time he goes outside, right? <laughs> it's not that. It's not uh, that at all. One and a third. Um, as they pointed out, I think it was the Red Mankinian podcast this week pointed out, defenders don't stop him going on his inside and playing the ball in. They're like, even though he does that every time, I think he's put the doubt in their mind that he might go outside. Yeah, yeah, he's got the old googly up his sleeve, hasn't he? That's it, you know? <laughs> Nine, nine out of ten, the, the standard off spinner, and then out comes the giggles. Uh, or the wrong end. Um, when we talked about central defenders, we didn't mention the youngsters, which we I, didn't. I guess we should. Yeah, well, you know, they've... they've McNair, um, nothing but positive things to say about him. I mean, he did have a couple of sort of dodgy games, didn't he, um, early on. But every time he's played, whether it's been in central defence and a couple of times at right back, uh, you know, he's just looked very, very mature and looked like a player... Um, that's going to go on and do great things. Question mark about whether he stays next season. It really depends on recruitment. Tyler Blackett started off well, looked very composed, uh, great athlete. Uh, barely saw him for months after that. Mm. And and you could kind of see why when he did come back. And I, I quite like Blackett. And, and, you know, I think he's definitely got something about him. He's quite exciting to watch when he's on the ball. I think he's very good on the ball, isn't he, as well? But, yeah. In totality, the season, you whether has he done enough to make you think? Yet yeah, this guy's going to make it at United. I'm always, as I always go on about, I'm always reluctant to like judge defenders when they're young because so much can change. Like the fact that McNair is in this discussion at all is a complete shock to everyone because he wasn't in the under 21s last season, was he? I mean, he wasn't getting in the side a lot of the time. No, right, and and that same was true of Blackie at one stage in his mm. career as well. So yeah, um, you know, bonuses for both. Yeah, I, I, I you know, Blackie's going to go away on loan, right? That that is the thing that makes most sense. Yeah, um, and McNair's a question mark and just about recruitment. So, so the the reason that I started thinking now we've skipped the youngsters is because we're coming to the youngster and uh, attacking midfield. Right, and and this is a big disappointment. Yeah, right. Yanazai just not playing because you wanted him to go from having. An, Excellent season under Moyes, his real breakthrough season, uh, went to the World Cup um, to doing that for United every week. And I remember there was a there's a piece by Danny Taylor in The Guardian sort of in the autumn that said something along the lines of, you know, obviously a piece from the comms department at United, Van Hal is protecting him um, and he's going to ease him into the season well. He didn't ease him into the season because he still didn't get any games as the season went on. And it's just and when he did he didn't do enough for us to go, well, you know, Van Hal's nuts. Um, because I can't pick out a game in which I think Yanazai performed well. The kind of trajectory of his season, he was used in central midfield at one point during the three-five-two era. Then it, the first games that he started were, we started when we switched to 4-3-3 briefly in that first experiment with 4-3-3 against Chelsea and West Brom, I think. And you could sort of see the logic there. It's like, oh yeah, I've got this player and he can do this. But... He, he, I don't whether he was kind of over eager, whether giving him the number eleven shirt was a bit too much of a statement, you know, all this kind of stuff. Whether going to the World Cup sort of turned his head, maybe got a little big for his boots. I don't know, know anything about that, and it feels very unfair really to even speculate on it. But you know, just something not quite right. He looked like he was really trying too hard. His decision making really looked to have dropped, and and. I always feel like when a player's decision making goes, part of the reason for that is confidence that they're 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 either pushing themselves too hard to try the spectacular, or they 
get afraid to to try anything. Either way, it's due to a bit of a lack of confidence. Right. But but there's an opening in the side, right? So if United are going to play 4-3-3, that right-hand side where Yanzai can go on the outside or the inside um, has the talent to score goals and create is perfect for him, in theory, right? And it is theoretical because um, we haven't seen it from him for a year. So there's a there's a great opportunity there. He's only a year younger than Memphis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bleach Report asked me to say either why he should or shouldn't go on loan for a season. And I ended up writing about how he should go on loan for a season. Because I think, or at least like set up a loan till January with the possibility to extend it. Because it depends on who we bring in. But if we've, we've brought in another player in one of the attacking wide positions... So there's even more competition for places in a squad that Yanazai can't really get half a sniff of. Even when Dimaria was dropped from the side altogether, it wasn't in Yanazai's favour, was it? It was to play a totally different style of player. You you do manage to get a plug in for Bleacher Report each week. It's quite quite oh, impressive. It's, it's my, quite impressive. It's my job, yeah, I it's, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's only because I do it all the time. I'm not like. That wasn't meant to be a plug. Can, can you can you give us a, a list of your top ten plugs? That was one of them because it was so subtle until you called it out. So yeah, a very disappointing season for Yanazai. And talking of disappointing seasons, let's talk about our strikers. To a man, useless. Yes. Well, it'd be hard to call Wilson useless because he's barely oh, yeah. played. <laughs> not, <laughs> right. Not him. He's he's exempt. Yeah. He's not a man. Oh, he's, well, that's he's true. still a child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's nineteen. <laughs> Is it 21 for you? Is that that when you become a man? (laughs) I think so. Um, Less than 350 minutes in the league. Started against Liverpool in that home game. that's right. It was really important in that game, stretching them all over the place. And we talked about that afterwards and said, you know, this is is a statement. This is a statement from Van Gaal uh, about how good he thinks Wilson is. Apparently we were wrong because he barely played after that. So, look, I've got... Great hope for Wilson, uh, just because, you know, loads of raw materials there. He scores fantastic goals at under-21 level. His pace is brilliant. His movement's good. Uh, We haven't seen that finishing in the Premier League um, or the Cup competitions at all from him this season. Um, But we do see it at under-21 level. You know, there's just depends what United do in the transfer market. He could go out on loan. Probably would be very good for him if he did that, right club and all that. Um, not in the championship, uh, and uh, and if not, you know he's going to be a very useful addition. Not going to do him much good if he only gets sort of ten games again next season. You know, half of those being sub. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of it is this captain's privilege nonsense, isn't it? Because in the last two months, having Wilson playing at number nine could not have been any worse than what was actually happening. No, right, right. So let, let's talk about Rooney. Let's talk about Rooney because he's played he's played half the games in midfield all sort of attacking midfield and half up front. Um, and he's been terrible in all of them in midfield. Uh, apart from Newcastle at home, where he was really good in midfield, scored, scored and, a brace. I think that's the game where he didn't knock the ball out to the right wing with a Hollywood ball every time he got the ball. In fact, I think after that one, I remember us praising him for being sensible with the use of the ball. Yeah, and and you... If I've got that one in right. The, in the week before that, you had said he's not getting ahead of the ball enough um, from midfield. That's and right. Then he did. And then Van Hal said it, which just proves <laughs> that, that not only yeah does David uh, listen, but so does Van yeah, Hal. clearly. Um, I hope... Either that or Giggsy, get out of here, mate. I'm the next United manager. I, no, no. I ate... 
I really hope that Rooney doesn't listen to this podcast because I, I feel sad to be giving him a hard time all the time. Because um, definitely trying. Uh, I'm thinking it's unlikely. Yeah, me too. Um, I hope none of his family do. If they do, I'm sorry. It's nothing personal. Well, it is. From from my perspective. <laughs> um I just think he's not been good enough in any of the positions he's played in all season. I think he's done quite well from a captaincy perspective. I, I, we've talked about that a lot. Um, and and that's about the nicest thing you can say. He's United's top scorer with 12 goals. That's very problematic in all sorts of ways, isn't it? But he's been nowhere near clinical enough playing at number nine, nowhere near creative enough playing behind the forwards and nowhere near good enough at the role in deep lying midfield. And don't really criticize Rooney for that. That's just not his position. Um, it's just not been a good season. I don't understand why anyone would say that it was. Well, a funny thing. I, I was just thinking about that. So, um, uh, I, I watch a, a lot of the games on, um, uh, on a stream as we all do, but it's actually a semi legal one. So it's the Premier League's official, official feed. And uh, we had Jim Beglin on there. And Jim Beglin last weekend said, uh, Rooney has been excellent all season. I was like, you what? You what, mate? Please. What are you smoking? Uh, Because I don't want any of that. So it's kind of... And I almost felt like that last season where there was this kind of narrative around Rooney that he was excellent. And I just didn't buy it. And I just couldn't see it. And I, you know, watching him going, where's the excellence here? But it's even worse this season because at least last season he was running around like a headless chicken putting in tackles at left back, right? You know, everyone loves that, right? No good for the team, but uh, he was doing that. This season, I, I just don't even see any of that, right? So he's um, he got praised by Gary Neville on Monday Night Football for his tactical discipline. That's one way of putting it. The other way of putting it is he can't even be bothered to run around like a headless chicken anymore. I don't know. I don't know. On the ball, he's just been terrible and he's not scored enough goals. I feel like it's unfair to criticise him for being too headless and not headless enough in the same breath. I feel like that. that's harsh, isn't it? Well, hey, <laughs> it is, but who, who said anything about fairness? Not the um, BBC, mate. In the interest of some sort of balance, third best key pass average in the squad, but not a particularly good one. 1.4 key passes a game. Yeah, he's about the he's about the twentieth best pass completion. So he does make some key passes and he takes risks with his passing. Although, whether you know it's a risk to hit it sixty yards from the centre of midfield to the right wing or not, I don't know. But you know that key pass number. It's like it's relatively good in United, but not absolutely good. It's not that that is not good. It's not a a fantastic output of like chance creation in games. You know. Um, and this is not about data. Like I'm just using data to back up the argument. The argument is all season long, I remember a handful of really good performances from Wayne Rooney and, and really literally a handful. There was a couple of decent ones early in the season. There was that Newcastle game where I thought he just absolutely bossed it. It was really great. He scored some really lovely goals this season. That one against Villa was an absolute peach, the very best of Wayne Rooney, but we don't see anything like the best of Wayne Rooney on a regular basis. And if you're a big Rooney defender, you get very frustrated with our attitude towards it. Like, please know that if he was playing brilliantly, I'd be so happy if he was playing brilliantly. But all I can see is a player who at his best is very much an exceptional player. But of all the players of that level of talent, 
he consistently performs below his best. And some of it's not his fault. Some of it is the fact that Van Gaal shifted him all over the pitch this season and it hasn't helped Rooney. But in a way, that I think that's his fault because if he was that excellent up front, there, no one would be talking about moving him. There's no way Van Gaal would have done that. If, he'd, if Rooney had been on a season where he scores 30-odd goals and been his dynamic best, which we haven't seen for five years now, right? The one time he scored over 30 goals in the season. Um, then then Van Gaal wouldn't have done it. He'd have found another option in midfield because it would have been too important. But he's not that important. And his performances haven't been up to the level. And just, you know, it, it's whether you look at it on key passes or pass or shots on target or shots, uh, accurate shots, percentage or number of, sh- number of shots he's always high on. Takes a lot of shots. Not very accurately, but he takes a lot of shots. Right? None of the attacking data looks particularly spectacular. Uh, you wouldn't expect the defensive data to look particularly spectacular. And I don't have the pro zone data. I wish I did. Um, but I'm betting that it looks like his physical performance is deteriorating too. I I, I bet. Um, and probably someone out there does get the right feed. I think he'll be making less sprints per game, less total less total distance covered per game, except for those he's playing midfield. That that might skew it a little bit. A lower top speed and all the kind of physical data that shows he's declining. And he's 28, um, but he started very young and it looks to me that he's on the slide and, and his data and performances kind of show that as well. And he's been our best striker of the season by miles. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the rest of them are absolute just... I mean, Van Persie had a brilliant right. six-game run. Uh, in November and he December, did? and that's it. Like, 10 goals this season and some absolute stinkers. He's had more stinkers, I would say, even than Rooney. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a percentage of his performances, because yeah. he's played a lot less games. Um, and, uh, well, not a lot less games, actually. Again, this is a narrative thing. But, like, he's right up there in minutes played, Van Persie is, because Van Gaal really persisted with him. And I think that both Van Persie and Falcao suffered quite badly from being played in a duo together. Um, but Van Persie's played more minutes than Young. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, but, like generally speaking he looks absolutely shot and and I and I said we said this in October and then he sprang to life um but him the chances of him springing to life again seem nah, minimal no, he's done I think he's he'd done. do brilliantly like if he goes to Juventus has been talked about although they've just signed Dibola so who knows but you know if he goes to somewhere in Italy where it's a bit slower I think he'd still have a good time because he's still got plenty to offer but hey we'll always have the season before oh, last what a season that was magic and uh Sort of worth the £24 million pound fee. Oh, totally. <laughs> worth every penny of it yeah. twice. You could double that fee. Like Alex Ferguson winning the league title in his last season in charge. Yeah. Like, like, it's priceless. Well, it it is. It is. It is. This for a bean count and you, you say there's uh, no value in the market. <laughs> but anyway, yes. So, yeah, absolute stinker. So, you know, our, our long rant about Rooney is not to, as some people um, accuse me of, uh, cover up some secret love for Robin Van Persie he's been very very poor this season and uh, it kind of sad but there you go he's he's in his 30s now he gets injured a lot he's had one uh, well in his entire career he's had two seasons when he's been mostly fit that the season before he joined United and the season uh, when he first joined United and that's it so there are exceptions to the rule and and we would expect if he stays at United he will be injured quite a bit next season so I think he'll go and I think that makes a lot of sense I don't see a lot of value in keeping him the only 
positive you might say about Van Persie's situation is he he has not been as bad as Falcao. And, and I was cruel today. I I, uh, I did uh, send out a tweet that said if we'd given Bebe 29 games this season, he'd have scored more than four goals. But I wonder whether that's actually true. It's not. <laughs> have you seen Bebe? I have. He's alright. He's turned into a half-decent player. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, Chris Morling scored as many goals as Falcao. i never been more disappointed about a United thing happening ever, really. The... the difference between that moment when he was standing on the touchline against QPR prowling the touchline the whole atmosphere in the stadium was absolutely electric Mata scored while that was going on it was absolutely buzzing so many Falcao 9 shirts at that game far fewer Falcao 9 shirts at the last home game of the season um it has to be said uh just a real, real disappointment, and and what a shame that it didn't work out. Well, I, I put on Twitter today one of the best players ever to play in the United shirt, just not when he was playing in the United shirt. You could rewrite some history here and start thinking about him not being that good. He was, you know, among the three best strikers on the planet for four or five seasons. He was absolutely fantastic, and it's such a shame United didn't have him at that time. But that was during our moments of austerity, which seemed to have gone. <laughs> um, I did look it up. Uh, Bebe, who's been on loan at Cordoba from Benfica this season has scored no goals in 18 games so you know there you go I take it all back (laughs) there you go see the Falcao thing it looks like very clever that they got him on loan it was an expensive loan but that's a gamble worth taking as far as I'm concerned it it was worth it for the dream you know Um, if it had worked even three quarters of as well as it could have possibly worked it would have been absolutely spectacular because if we'd got 20 goals out of Falcao the season would look very different wouldn't it you know 20 goals wouldn't be him at his peak would it you know so yeah no very very true a good gamble Talking of gambles, uh, one game for Cordoba, Bebe played in central midfield. <laughs> wow. Just wow. I mean, just think of the coach. Bebe, son, number eight today. <laughs> yes, boss. He's got a lot of football under his belt now, hasn't he, Bebe? All right, so let's give out some awards because we haven't really done this, right? Let's Let's pick, obviously... Player of the season is obvious, but let's pick a defender of the season, a midfielder of the season, and a striker of the season, and then argue about which one of them is outfield player of the season. Okay, so so my goalkeeper of the season is, is clearly David, just not his missus. Oh, come on. I, I won't have this. This t- typical football misogynistic response of blaming the woman is so out <laughs> of order. It's horrific. And I'm not blaming the woman. I'm blaming... blaming uh, David's love for the woman. Okay, fine. R- ruined Beckham, ruined David. <laughs> ruined, uh, the, ruined the Beatles, did it? Yeah, he did, Yoko. You see, oh. this, is, this is just... You need to read some... You need to read some stuff. <laughs> Football fans in general. <laughs> yeah, Learn I, your history. I, I, I read his uh, Instagram posts. <laughs> Learn your history, kids. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, anyway. Okay, so David, uh, my defender of the season is going to be Chris Smalling. Yeah, um, mine too. Yeah, my midfielder is... God, this is a hard one. Really hard midfield because the mixed season that so many of them had, um, I, if it hadn't been for the last six games with Carrick out and, and, and a Herrera sort of rise, I'd have picked Carrick, but Herrera's probably just going to get it for me. Just. Yeah, goals and assists. Yeah, yeah. Good ball-round performances. Lovely cheeky grin. Did that thing with his... Put his hands on his head when Mata scored that goal. You know, uh, no, my, Michael Carrick had yeah, a very yeah, good yeah. season when he was playing. 
it's really hard. If it hadn't been, if Carrick wasn't out, I think United's end of the season would have been very different because I don't think he'd. It's not just his presence. I don't think he'd let United's performances drop quite as much. But so Herrera gets it, and then forward of the season, James Wilson. <laughs> I'm giving it Rooney uh, just because there's no other. There's nobody else that possibly in with a shot of that so so i i couldn't give it to rooney not in with yours <laughs> is mate. it um herrera or smalling then your outfield player of the season well uh, you see i don't think herrera's done enough to earn okay. my outfield player of the season award I, i'm not sure smalling okay. has done enough either so that makes it super hard so i'm gonna pick smalling okay fair enough i don't think i'm gonna persuade you but i'm i'm definitely mine mine's herrera because Smalling also had long stretches of bad performances and didn't play that much more than Herrera, just just a few minutes more across the course of the season. So, uh, yeah, no, I reckon it's Herrera because I think he's contributed more to the, the highs of the season as well. And I think his consistency is is higher than Smalling's. Uh, I, and, you know, nobody, nobody like grabs this trophy and wins it, wholeheartedly deserves it. So I, I reckon Herrera nudges it for... For the the better highs, not too many. Definitely not as lower lows as Smalling's season. No, although uh, Herrera's performance against QPR was one of the worst of the season. So you know, hey, back in August or whenever it was uh, against QPR, he was excellent against QPR. Didn't he score twice? No, he scored once. Maybe I'm thinking someone else. West Brom. It's yeah, an anyway. early season game. Anyway. Right, right, right. Okay. Oh, yeah, West Brom when he had a broken rib. Yeah, yeah, no excuse. No excuse. <laughs> yeah, okay, right, fair enough. It's, it's Herrera, I reckon it's Herrera, the outfit. Yeah, yeah, you keep saying Herrera. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think keep... no one should win this, no one, because no one has deserved it enough. None of the above. I think you might be right. We we are we are redacting the rank cast outfield player of the season award. I'm just going to sleekly give it to Herrera while no one's looking. The manager, the manager in totality... Some good, some bad. Do you want a manager of the year award? Yeah, I'll give no, it to I just Yeah, until the end of the season. Um, no, I, I, I just thought we've kind of gone through all the playing stuff and we haven't really... I think, right, uh, amazing, hilarious, inspirational speeches gets an A+. The best performances that United have put together this season, very high rating for that. But consistency, D-. minus. Uh, substitutions bad bad so bad I really was excited when Van Gaal came because I've long held the theory that some of our you know legendary genius managers of the greatest of all time had a bit of an issue with some in-game management decisions from time to time but my god like Bring back Fergie's terrible substitutions because Van Gaal's are well, the, off the, the chain. The Tom came out for most. It, it's funny at one at one point the accusation around Van Gaal was that he was stubborn. And I, we were talking each week about how he'd put out a different tactical formation with a different set of square pegs and round holes. It didn't feel like stubbornness to me. It felt like tinkering. This was classic folkism. And this was Van Gaal trying to learn his best team, his best formation and how to get the best out of his plays. It just seemed to take him a very, very long time. Um, and so that goes in the minus column. You know, it's mixed from Van Gaal, isn't it? You know, for for as much as we like to think that United are progressing and on the way up and we will kind of ignore this last six games and concentrate on the, the six before that, there are many, many things about the squad and about Van Gaal's management which kind of felt odd as well, you know? I do kind of feel that we're in the headed in the right direction, but that's only because 
I think we're going to progress from here, right? So if if that doesn't happen, then there's going to be some big question marks because there are a lot of foibles too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. He gets a huge amount of credit for fighting for preparation time. Uh, he's he's kind of tried to tailor pre-season as close to what he would want as possible, which is something no manager at United has done for a long time, and it's cost us. Yeah, it's cost us pretty heavy. Yep. on occasion. So that that's that's big positive. He's going to need it because United have got some big games coming up in mid-August. Absolutely, that fourth place thing is no joke. Like it's no joke. I mean, United. Like to be fair, we could get the second place team in Turkey, right? Which wouldn't be, and that would be the easiest, right? They're the seventeenth ranked um, UEFA uh, nation. Um, so that's about the best it can get. Or we could get some, you know, we could get Monaco or something like that, you know, and and that, after what they did to Arsenal, that doesn't look that great. Uh, We could get third place in Spain. We could get CSKA Moscow. Depends on the Russian season. And, and, you know, obviously they split their campaign, so they'll have played a few games. Um, It's, there are some really difficult ties out there and we could regret uh, the end of our season. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens on, on that front. So I think, you know, I'm inclined to give the manager a B- for the season. I feel like the ship is generally moving in the right direction and I am inclined towards being patient with some of the stuff that's not happened that we would hope that had happened. But I think anything more than that would be probably overly generous. I think, you know, we've we've hit par in terms of finishing fourth, and and we've hit above, as we said earlier, some massive shanks and some eagles. It's been a very mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be be mine. I mean, I think I give my ratings out of ten, don't I? Traditionally, yeah. okay. So it's it's a six and a half or something like that. Yeah, all right. That seems seems just about fair to me. And uh, and I think obviously it'd be very disappointing if that's the case at the end of next season. Yeah, right. So some people would see this in a in a more positive light, and they'd say that the way Wayne Rooney put it this week was that you know our target was fourth. We've we've uh, achieve fourth that's a successful season and you know if you put it in those terms the relative terms van Hal gets a good mark right kpi met job done well done um uh, heading in the right direction uh, and you know we go on um fine but all those kind of weird little things that happen the kind of strange in-game management the inability to get the best out of some of our most sort of talented attacking players constant tinkering the fact that United were terrible in the cups and only just made fourth and the season fell out uh, from uh, beneath us and you know and and we've made fourth because Liverpool were terrible is another way of putting it and and that kind of heads us down to the B minus C route doesn't it yeah and I think C would be ungenerous because I think the the change has been so overwhelmingly significant and there's so many mitigating factors and this absolutely horrendous injury crisis in the first period of the season and the fact that Van Gaal came straight off the back of the World Cup into an absolutely ridiculous pre-season tour you know so that's where I feel like given the stuff that was stacked against him the B minus is a bit more fair than the C and that's my yeah I I agree feeling on that Uh, loads of people are suggesting for rank cast award categories chant of the season chant well he's got to be the one today hasn't it (laughs) I mean I have got a tremendous affection for Radamel Falcao certainly my most joyous chanting of the season I greatly enjoyed when when uh, it's you Juan 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 it's you Juan Juan 
took over uh, for a bit. Oh, what a night! Isn't really a chant of this season, but it's taken taken hold this season, and it's got its moments. Uh, but yeah, I, I, even though I know this is horrendously killjoy, and I do apologise for this, part of me feels very slightly uncomfortable about singing about drinking with Georgie Best when he died from no. terrible alcoholism. No, yes, but that's what he'd have liked. Yeah, and that's why I I, I haven't got all like high horse about it because like his son absolutely loves it, and you know you can't you think that George Best would uh, certainly see the funny side of it, wouldn't you? Yeah, he? no, great stuff. Find a YouTube video or a Vine or something if you haven't uh, heard this one. Uh, very good. Yeah, definitely my channel of the season. Every single person that's listening to this has not only heard it but got it hugely stuck in their head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, second place of course is Van Hal chanting. Amazing, amazing moment after the Arsenal game where some people were filming him signing autographs and they was chanting and shouting Louis Van Gaal's Red Army and someone goes, give us one Louis, Louis Van Gaal's Red Army. And he went, Louis Van Army. But with this incredibly powerful delivery without moving his head at all, like just totally gave it some. Yeah, it was beautiful. Very good. Okay, other other awards categories. I kind of don't want to give out a worst player of the season award, really. It feels it feels churlish and unnecessary. We've been critical enough on this show already. Yeah, I mean, this would be like uh, shooting the horse who's fell over a fence uh, at the Grand National, right? So, you know, you're getting the curtain, you're putting it around <laughs> Adam Alfalcao, and you're blowing his head off. Damn it. Which would be the humane thing it's to do. not right. He is hung like a derby winner as well. <laughs> the award for third best goal of the season. Can we agree that Di Maria and Mata get one and two? Uh, well, I, I'm giving Mata number one. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. It was... Actually, technically, I think Di Maria's goal is better. Sure. Uh, but at Anfield, to score with a scissor kick volley. Uh, fine pass from Di Maria, by the way. One of his ten assists. Uh, yeah, no, that that takes it. The uh, the top four goals of the season, that, that four-player vote thing, uh, every one of those either scored or assisted by Di Maria, interestingly enough. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the Di Maria goal might be technically better, but that was in a 5-3 loss to Leicester, as opposed to a incredibly technically difficult goal that was in a 2-1 win over Liverpool. There can only be one winner. But third best goal of the season. Yeah. The other two on that awards category were Rooney... Yeah, against Villa, swivel and volley. Yeah, and Herrera uh, against Yeovil, swivel and volley. Yeah, that was a fine goal as well. There was an Ashley Young goal early in the season. I seem to remember bending it into the top corner. <laughs> sounds sounds totally plausible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could have just made that up. No, no, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he did score one. Um, Herrera's goal was lovely against Yeovil. It was against Yeovil though. Does that count? It was, that, and, and it I don't want to give Rooney a prize of any kind, even if it is the third best goal of the season. I, I, I think Juan Mata's first goal against Liverpool was a really fantastic team goal as well. Fellaini's goal against West Brom, I'm not really having that. That was very highly rated on that. That was on that kind of long list of of those goals, and I'm I'm not quite having that one. I think it was Rooney, you know. I, I think that the way he plucked that ball out of the air and swivelled and smacked it was. Because it was a that was a pass from Di Maria, but not a very good pass from Di Maria. Rooney had to do a lot of work. I, I reckon he deserves it. Uh huh. <laughs> You're not accepting that. Let's move on. 
All right, fair enough. Should we take a, a last bunch of questions of the season? Last bunch of questions, and then then we'll wrap up for the season. Wow, absolutely. We're, we're gonna what we're we gonna do over the summer? We're gonna play some old episodes of the podcast. You said, Ed. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Let's rebroadcast some. Um, if we have time, we can pick out some favourites. Otherwise, it might just be a random number or big events. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got a favourite rank cast episode, that's a weird thing to have. But if you have, <laughs> if you've got a favourite rank cast episode, if you're obsessive <laughs> and you keep them all, yeah, like on your mixtape or rank cast, um, send us send us a tweet um, and let us know. Yeah, if we if we'd actually been sensible with any of this and and done some outtakes, we could uh, play an outtake episode. No, that would be terrible. <laughs> At nine eight seven underscore Sean says comedy award. The Phil Jones taking corners or Phil Jones's header on the floor? No, his face. I, I, I'm not. I'm, you know, look. Maybe it's funny Phil Jones taking corners, but it's really not, <laughs> is it? It's. Really, I mean, come on, let's think about it. Uh, no, no, Phil Jones uh, tackling Olivier Giroud with his face just takes it every time. A close run second uh, was United's win at the Emirates, which was just ridiculous. Um, Hello, are you saying that second? I think that's third because we know what the funniest moment of the season was. Louis van Gaal's speech. Nope. Steven Gerrard Ah. at Liverpool at Anfield. (laughs) And the red card, yes, that's true. I'd forgotten that for a moment. God, there have been some good moments this season. It was very quick. No wonder you've forgotten it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But for something that took like 40 seconds or whatever, it was an incredibly memorable moment. Oh, just... Actually, I mean, that was the kind of epitome of Gerrard's... um, Farewell Kind of descent, yeah, farewell sword, descent into absolute mediocrity. Uh, but he's gone from being a very good player to a pub player over the course of the season, which has been absolutely hilarious. Kind of capped off with the fact that he scored a goal uh, in Liverpool's 6-1 loss at Stoke. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Gerrard, after that game, said he takes full responsibility for the result. Liverpool played by far their best football after he got sent off. By far. You know, that result had nothing to do with Steven Gerrard getting sent off, except that Liverpool scored when they wouldn't have done otherwise. Ouch. At NR Miller 0102 says, can we ever come to terms with the fact that we'll never sign a first team German player? <laughs> yeah. We keep being linked with like Muller and Schweinsteiger and all these kind of. I tell you what, I'm not, I'm not quite sure where he'd play, but Muller would be a fantastic acquisition. I mean, it's not going to happen because why would Bayern let one of their own go? But I mean, just he's so classy with his finishing uh, and his leadership and his work weight off the ball. I mean, he would be uh, uh, you know United's hardest worker, the best finisher, the best passer, uh, and probably the biggest leader as well. It would be a fantastic acquisition. I mean, you say you're not sure where we'd play him. We'd just play him up front. Yeah, well, maybe, I mean, but he can just play anywhere across the front of three or five or wherever. So, um, but yeah, one intelligent player, perfect Van Gaal player as well. Oh, he got me excited now, but we've got to come to terms with the fact that we're never going to sign anyone from Germany's first 11. Yeah. Is it something to do with the war? What, what's going on? Is Bobby <laughs> Charlton still like, you know, I remember the war. <laughs> Maybe so. At Matty Lines 93 says the Paul Merson prediction award. Oh my uh, I would, God. I'd have to give that to myself for my absolute certainty that at some point Radam Falcao would start scoring goals this season. Yeah. Right, Merson, who was another one who, in his preview of uh, United's game against Arsenal for the BBC, he said Rudin had an excellent season. Just 
Yeah. Burn into my memory, that one. <laughs> At Sean KDLA says, the lady who plays the saxophone very well award for going unnoticed, but still being worthy of praise. I wonder whether uh, David De Gea's goalkeeping coach is probably uh-huh. worth... Franz Hook? Yeah, because um, there was a lot of... He's had a lot of goalkeeping coaches and Chris Wood seemed to bring him on quite a lot last season, but yep. Franz Hook seems to have taken his game to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously people say very good things about Franz Hook. Um, uh, devised the strategy to replace Jasper Sillison with um, uh, Tim Krul in the World Cup, uh, apparently. Uh, but yeah, he's... you know he, uh, Van Hal called it out in um, his sort of pre speech uh, where he said that um, De Gea was the sort of most improved player of the season I, I mean and that's saying something because De Gea was been excellent across the season apart from those first couple of games but yeah loads of praise Franz Hook it's funny isn't it you know when when Eric Steele went I think we were all thinking that this was a bad thing because he'd, he'd uh, built a relationship with David De Gea David De Gea had grown but uh, Chris Woods and Franz Hook have both done wonders for him. Or maybe just David De Gea is just a world-class goalkeeper and he was always going to progress in this way. But I don't necessarily think that's the case because he's progressed quite specifically, hasn't he? You know, the, there was that brilliant Gary Neville analysis of, of De Gea on Monday Night Football after the Liverpool game. And he looked at, like, specific incidents of his footwork and all that kind of stuff. And the, and and that would make sense for, with Van Gaal saying how much he thought he'd improved as well, you know. Favourite Eric Cantona goal. We're recording this on Eric Cantona's birthday and at Peter Myers 90 gives us an excuse to talk about the King. Um, my favourite Eric Cantona goal is sort of ridiculous. It's certainly not the best one. I talk about this quite often, but it was the equaliser against QPR in March of 1996 in the month where we won three games 1-0 and drew one all in the other game and Eric Cantona scored all United's goals as we uh, marched towards the league and just seeing it come up on the video printer with 87 minutes gone or something QPR won Eric Cantona nil and I turned around to everyone in the room and I said Eric will score it'll be fine and he did that was a lovely memory. Yeah, and then when you talk about great goals, the chip against Sunderland, the volley against Wimbledon or Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park, the volley against Arsenal, the other goal against Arsenal where he drove it low, where he's got the bandage on his hand, uh, the volley against Liverpool in the FA Cup final in '96. God. Oh, just so many and such a variety of goals as well, you know. Headed, driven, fox in the box, chips... Long shots. A brilliant striker as well as a brilliant number 10 type, wasn't he? A number 10 in the old-fashioned 4-4-2 sense. Yeah. Um, but God, just what a player. Happy birthday, Eric. Hope you're having a lovely day. I'm sure he he's, is. He's, he's suing the New York Cosmos because they sacked him for punching a photographer. And I feel like if you're going to employ Eric Cantona, you <laughs> can't just sack him for punching no, someone. No, right. It's Eric Cantona. And it's expected, yeah. And New York Cosmos, weird club. So they're playing in the sort of, uh, I think they call it the National League or something, National American League, uh, which is like one down from MLS, but there's no promotion. Um, they did want the other franchise in New York. They didn't get it because no one put up the 100 million that Shake did. Um, so they're they're now playing in front of like 2,000 people um, at uh, Columbia University Stadium in, in New York. But Raul plays for them, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. But he does. Um, yeah, anyway, so I, I hope they give Eric his money because he he punched that photographer for jolly good reasons. 
Um, at Blabber One says, do you think Louis van Gaal should consider going to drunk into games? Might make us more fun to watch. <laughs> uh, no. no, probably not a good idea. And at MUFC Jeff, long time friend of the Rankcast says, who do you expect to step up next season compared to this season? Huh. Di Maria is perhaps the obvious answer there. He's certainly going to need to. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a better performance from Rooney next season if he gets a... Would uh, I, I would be. Uh, uh, maybe if he gets a more consistent role in the side or whatever. Yeah, I, well, he... maybe. Only if he plays at number nine and, and the side functions around him. And, and there he's still got room for room for putting in some good performance. If he doesn't play better, Van Gaal's going to do something about it, right? He's not just going to let him sit. I really hope we bring in someone that's an obvious choice for captain. Yeah. Do you, you know how it came out this week or last week that the Brazilian National Federation had contracts with all their sponsors as to who could play? Yeah. I'm not saying United do that, but... <laughs> he is a Nike player. This could be a bad summer for... That's why yeah. it's going to be a rough summer wow. for some players. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so um, I expect... Uh, I'm not sure if it's really answering the question, but I expect Ander Herrera will have an excellent season next season. I think Marcos Rocco, and I think this is maybe surprising because United are expected to bring in a top central defender but I think if he just stays fit he's going to be a really excellent player and perhaps my outfield player of the season Chris Smalling won't get in the side anymore interesting interesting a good question though Jeff so there's no predictions to make except for in the subject that everyone loves talking about when it comes to football more than anything else apparently so it seems let's predict let's put our reputations on the line <laughs> oh dear no i'm I'm doing none of this who who, who are you not gonna sign well apparently not matt tumbles uh, i mean that took too long crazy so isn't it like oh well, sorry sorry we didn't leak enough stories about how we desperately want to buy you and then waited you know didn't sign him before we'd yeah. been allowed to talk to him and stuff i don't know who united are gonna buy but we need a right back a central defender a ball winning winning central midfielder and a striker uh, and another wide player would be good too. That's five. It feels like a lot. I'm going to give you some names. Go on, give me some names and I'll give you an assessment. Yeah, give me... No, and also I want a yes or no on whether you think United will end... Obviously, this is just for a bit of fun because we have no inside information. Or I certainly don't have any. Um, Go on. Nicholas Otamendi. Yeah, like him and he's had a really, really good season. The only worry, and it's a significant one, is that he's just a little diddy. And not super quick. He's he's very good. He's not slow by any means. Scores a lot of goals as well for a defender. Scores a lot of goals. He does. He's got a good leap on him for a small man. Um, uh, he he would be look. Don't get me wrong. He would be a fine signing. I would have preferred Hummels, and I think uh, some people have been a little revisionist about that one. Um, but yeah, good player. Hummels is definitely a player who divides opinion, though, isn't he? I've he definitely is. seen a lot of people that aren't haven't flip flopped on him. They never wanted him at United. Uh, so. Yeah, and it's only to do the pace, right? But um, I mean, he had a he had a mixed World Cup uh, in which his pace was exposed a couple of times. But Germany paid like the highest of high lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he also was absolutely brilliant in key games in that World Cup. Uh, his performance against France. For anyway, Hummels. We're not going to sign Hummels. Then that's definitely not happening. It doesn't seem like it. No, Mikel Zork, the Borussia president, came out and said he's definitely staying. So there you go. All right, staying at Borussia. Ilke Gundogan. Yeah, I mean we spoke about him earlier in the season. Fantastic. Two and a half years ago. Will his knee or back or any of his other major parts of his body that have been injured over the years hold up? If we could get the the player of two years ago, great signing. 
That's a big if, though, isn't it? Okay. Do you think he's going to come? No. Is he going to be at United next season? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Wow. You know, on the slide, I think it'd be hard to say anything other than that if you've seen some of his performances this season. It seems like he's not a pet favourite. Would he be a great signing? In, you know, it just depends. Look at the age profile in United. It's pretty good age profile, so we could probably carry another 30-something. Yeah, absolutely. And and he would fit nicely into that midfield three, wouldn't he? Yeah. I, I feel like he would. Are United going to sign Bastian Schweinsteiger this summer? No. Okay. Are we going to get? Are we going to get any yeses out of you? We, did you say yes to Otamendi? No. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. I think of all the Bayern players we've been linked to in the last however long it is, he's the one that feels most possible now because he is in the latter phase of his career. He might fancy new challenge. He doesn't seem to be a Pep favourite. All those those things. He knows he knows Van Gaal, obviously. Although. <laughs> As that, that text message that we referred to earlier that was mentioned in UWS, maybe that's not necessarily a positive, but you know. Thomas Muller, I think we've talked about him and neither of us think it's likely that he'll come to United, right? So uh, the one that's going to be a saga all summer unless something happens quickly one way or another, the boy G-Bale out in Madrid, miserable as sin, being booed every week. Are we going to rescue him from his hellish time, the uh, last season's European champions? Yeah, well, if you believe Tancredi Palmieri or whatever he's called, the fat Italian guy who uh, is basically the biggest worm on Twitter, <laughs> United are bidding for Nicholas Gaitan, which would be terrible because he's not good. Um, no, I, I mean, if United do bring in another winger quickly, we can say no on bail. So Ticks have the money, are prepared to do a deal. Uh, were prepared to do a deal a couple of years ago and Moyes Dillard. Um, would love to bring him in. would be a, a great for uh, the marketing department. So there's lots and lots and lots and lots of ticks. Um, Madrid, I think, uh, if they bring in Royce, which, you know, they really wanted to do, whether that's actually going to happen or not is a big question, would sell. Will they bring in another Galactico that's not David De Gea because goalkeepers don't count at Real Madrid? And, and that's the only question, really. If Madrid bring in another player, then Bale's gone and United are going to be favourites. I mean, I'm sure that City and Chelsea would like to bid too, but United are definitely in the best position FFP-wise, even if UEFA do relax the rules. And then we need a striker this summer. Manchester United need to buy a striker. If they don't buy a striker, I'm going to be so disappointed. Who is that striker going to be? Who is going to play? Is it going to be Lacazette? That's going to be so much money if it is. And he's had one great season and one good season before that. It's a big risk in League A, which, you know, OK, actually, that's not necessarily a league that flatters strikers, is it? Because it's pretty defensive in general, but still. Uh, the standard is not super, super high. Yeah, it's not super, super high. Um, I mean, I'm not sure he's ready, but a stupid when he's just scored 30-odd goals in, in League uh, Um Maybe he's the one. I mean, there are not a lot of strikers who are definitely available around Europe. You know, you look at the, the top league goal-scoring charts. Um, you're not going to pluck one from the Dutch league just to name a league that's not a top league. Uh, Lacazette is staying, it seems, or it's going to be huge money. You know, none of them are touchable uh, in Madrid unless unless United want to spend fifty million plus on Griezmann. He's not really a striker. You know, Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar not going anywhere. Backer too old and not good enough, in my humble opinion. Um, Benzema might be available, might, and that would be a good choice. But you know, it's, this is a super tough one. Um, you know, I I honestly couldn't tell you the name that would make 
absolute sense for United that is available. Zlatan! <laughs> that's, that's the name that would make absolute sense. Let's replace our ageing forward with a slightly older forward. Yeah. Maybe Bayern would like to get rid of Lewandowski because <laughs> he would do well in the Premier League. He's not done well at Bayern this season. <laughs> not great, anyway. He's done all right. Yeah, he's done all right, hasn't he, in certain key moments. Um, but yeah, I'd have, I would take him off their hands if they're trying to get rid of him. They can have Falcao in a swap deal. Oh, we don't own Falcao, we can't do that. They can have Van Persie. Just show him a highlight reel of the 2012-13 season and I hope they haven't noticed what's happened since. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a that's a really difficult one. All right, name a player out there that we've not already covered, because according to this list, we're making one signing this summer. Name a player out there who's going to be at United when we come back to record in August that isn't there now. Okay, good question. Well, it should be Pogba. Unlikely to happen. It could be Bale. But maybe uh, a player who's been in the, the papers recently, uh, Felipe Anderson, sort of attacking wide player at Lazio. Very, very good Brazilian. Uh, lots of talent, bags of pace, would create goals and unite need goals. Okay, that's a good shout. I think I'm going to say the one that I think is going to happen somewhat ridiculously is Bale. And there's a there's a sort of beautiful logic to us signing Gareth Bale and Otamendi and then some players, some other players in those positions. But I think it's going to be a complicated summer. That's what I think. I think, you know... Van Gaal is very keen on getting everything done early. He said he's going on holiday, but he's going to be speaking to Woodward every day. This is clearly an active window. There's a brilliant quote from Wenger the other week saying, I think United are going to be active in the transfer market because whenever I talk to a player, he's in talks with United. So so we're going to be buying some players. And last summer makes me think we might be shopping at that, um, that top table. Yeah, Top end of the market. Yeah, I, well, that's right. The money's there. Um, massive new Adidas contract, massive new broadcasting uh, deal coming in. Um, you know, you spend or, or don't. But uh, United definitely need some players. And, and if we want to compete at the very top, then, then they'll be spending at the top of the market. Assuming Woodward is not on the slow boat back from Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's actually doing the decent thing and picking up the phone to Jorge Mendes. <laughs> You make this joke every week on a podcast. I do, I do, but it's true. It's our sole tactic. It used to be Pini Zahavi in Ferguson's time, you know, and and the brown paper envelope is heading to a different destination. (laughs) The brown paper envelope with a list of players we're interested in, to be clear. That's what you're talking about. That's right, yeah. Of course, the one that is going that we don't want to go is David De Gea, but... I'll be shocked if he's here in August. Delighted, but shocked if he's yeah, here in August. He won't be. It'd, be. it'd be interesting to see who we get in to replace him because I don't think Van Gaal's going to want to go into the season with Valdez number one and Lindegaard number two. I would rather be picking my nose than that combination. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your support of the Rankcast this season. It is absolutely lovely that people listen to this and take the time to say nice things about it it's uh it means it means such a lot we do this for fun every week and we only keep doing it because people say nice things about it so if you want us to stop you you have the power to make that happen we'll just have these conversations but not record them but yeah it's been really really lovely we've had some really nice emails from people 
that that have said they really kind of value and appreciate getting to listen to the Rankcast every week, and it's just it's just absolutely awesome. So, want to very much thank, in particular, the man without whom uh, this series and the next series of the Rankcast would not have happened, and that is producer Tom. You can find him on Twitter at Teej Sound. If you need a sound engineer, I. I pretty sure he's the best in the business because just listen to our episodes uh that we we've done ourselves versus the one that tom's done if you want to see how good he is at his job so yeah thank thanks so much tom yes thank you tom um and yeah massive thanks to you the listeners um uh, we've got in touch with everyone who is a financial friend of the rank cast who has donated at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate thousands of you at thousands almost we could almost fill old trafford we couldn't we no. couldn't um we couldn't we can, but why can we tight the lot of you? <laughs> um, uh, thanks to everyone that's uh, left a review on iTunes. That's super helpful. Thanks to everyone who's just like, forget about money or anything like that. Anyone that's taken the time to reach out with a tweet saying, I can't even bring myself to read the reviews on iTunes since that guy accused us of being from Watford. He's rewritten his, uh, he's rewritten his, his... I don't care. <laughs> it's burned into my memory. <laughs> He said we'd be City fans by now. He was uh, time has proven him incorrect on that one. Yeah. Uh, although I do like Rob Pollard, but that's that's not the same as actually being a City fan. Anyway, if you want to get hold of us in the summer, you can do that on all the social media stuff. I'm going to be writing on Bleach Report bunch of stuff all week, every week. Uh, Ed, I'm sure you'll find time to get some United coverage in on unitedrant.co.uk. Yeah, it's always hard during the summer because I generally don't talk about transfers. Because, you know, what can you say that's not been written about elsewhere? Especially by you on Bleacher Report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah, content is difficult. But I'll, I'll make something up. Yeah. Um, we're not going to be back for pre-season because, honestly, it's a corporate-sponsored tour of America. It's not worthy of in-depth podcast-based analysis. Uh, but read my analysis of it on Bleacher Report if you would. So thanks very much. Anyway, um, we will be back uh, ahead of the first game of the season to uh, to do a big in-depth season preview. Look back at what I'm sure will have been a very exciting summer of transfers and look forward to next season ahead. I can't believe another season of football and another season of the Rankcast in the bag. Ed, a pleasure as always. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, thank you for joining in and making it what it is uh, while I kind of drone on about Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Absolutely. So we can own, there's only one possible play out track this week. Normally we play out the end of season episode with a, the full blast of the Calypso, but uh, in honour of man like Georgie Best, it's got to be this one. So you're welcome. You'll have this stuck in your head all summer anyway, and uh, we'll see you again in August.